Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben Dua from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. I am, I'm on with Russell here and Russell and I are going to get into some some critically important topics right now that all of us need to be thinking about if we want to stay organized, if we want to stay sane in our lives. So Russell, uh, please just give me a, a little bit of a short bio on yourself and then let's get into this. Yeah. Well, Ruben, thanks so much for having me here today. Really, really fun. Uh, so short bio today, I run a, I'm a co-founder of a company called Stride Services. We operate a virtual back office bookkeeping and accounting firm. You might say, oh, that's like super unsexy, but it's really, really important in helping business owners and entrepreneurs stay in their zone of genius by taking over this back office distraction and keeping them focused. So that's what really inspires us every day. Uh, and I bought this business with a, with a, a business partner of mine. Um, as well as the original founder, who's one of our partners today, uh, two years ago. But before that, I spent the prior 15 years as a healthcare entrepreneur and built and exited a couple of companies. And going way back, I was in corporate finance. So it's been a journey, as it always is. And I live in Seattle today with uh, with two kids and a beautiful wife. And uh, we're, we're just in lockdown, like we all are as we all have been <laughs> for many months. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, you, you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the fact that, you know, bookkeeping, bookkeeping, back office management, this stuff is quote unquote unsexy. You know, I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm always I, I always warmly embrace those like people like you. Yeah, no. And I, I, I appreciate I appreciate the, the humility. You know, I think that uh, I think that one of the really interesting things right now is that in this time, it's it's so critically important that we actually stay organized. So, uh, you know, what are some of the problems that people are facing right now and, and how can you help resolve those? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So pr prioritization is, is key right now. Like in a, in a moment of stress or in moments of stress, behavioral psychology says that our IQ tends to drop like 10 points. So when we have fear, we are going to make suboptimal decisions. So one of the things we're really trying to encourage our clients, and we serve about 100 clients around the country, to do is stay as maniacally focused on innovation and product and service and growth as much as possible. And we will help you uh, identify those areas in your business where you can reduce costs, operate more efficiently. But if I mire individuals too much in that detail, it becomes a bit paralyzing for them and they don't have the ability to think creatively. And what we've seen in COVID is entrepreneurs are thinking so creatively uh, and we want to create the space for them to make the kind of business adjustments that could lead to totally unexpected success. Got it. That's that's really interesting. I mean, one of one of my... One of my biggest disconnects, it's a three-part disconnect for me, and it's kind of specific, and I, and I believe that you are truly the expert to answer this. It's there's bookkeeping, there's staying organized, here are the finances, here's what's, what's happening numerically in the business. There's the strategic decisions that we can make, where are we spending enough money, should we spend more money in advertising? And then there's this tertiary thing, which is taxes. You know, Every year, we got to take care of our taxes. And these three things for me have been 
incredibly disparate. And it's, and it's challenging because I know that in many ways, these things are all kind of connected together, whether it be, you know, donations that might be made or whether it be, you know, how much money are we spending on Google advertisements? You know, how much money do we spend on X, Y, and Z? Can we be making better decisions based on attribution, conversion metrics, certain KPIs to be more optimized and to be smarter? Yes, I'm, I'm, you're, these three pillars are resonating with me. Let me tease them out for you for a second. The way that I think about taxes, and by the way, we don't do taxes for our clients, but here's why. Very important, obviously, but they're very episodic in nature. And so, uh, yes, you've got to get your taxes done and you want to tax plan efficiently, but uh, that happens intermittently throughout the year. The day-to-day core uh, bookkeeping and accounting activity, the machinery of your business is day in and day out. And what you want to do is figure out how do I reduce variability in that machine so that I'm not freaking out because I'm not getting my books timely or accurately, number one. And then number two, how can I tease out the data that I need to make the kind of business decisions that you said you'd like to make? And I think it takes um, a partner and this is what we're striving to provide, striding to provide, total pun, <laughs> I, I right? see what you did yeah. there. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm here all day. Uh, what we're striving to provide is to give you information that more easily helps you make those decisions. Because when entrepreneurs look at spreadsheets of income statements, they're like, they, there's nothing there for them to really take action on. And so we, we, un- we peel back the onion uh, for our clients. And that's what you want in order to make the strategic decisions that can change the course of your business. Got it. So so in your opinion, how should we be running our our numbers? Maybe I'll maybe I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Uh, I think it comes down to two super important words. Unit economics. Your unit economics. What you want to know is that intrinsically you have a profitable business. And then of course you have overhead, right? You've got a facility. Well, we're all working remote now, or you have a, a, a legal cost and insurance costs. Okay. But at that core level, am I unit profitable? Okay, great. So how do I get that? Well, first of all, it's knowing very discreetly how much revenue do I generate for every thing or unit that I sell. For example, if you're an agency, you may sell web design projects, you may sell consulting projects, you may sell analytics projects. Okay, well, you got to understand that revenue. But here's where people get tripped up. What are my costs associated with delivering that revenue? And for most service companies versus like raw technology versus service companies, it's labor. It's you have to track labor. And when you track labor and map labor, your number one cost of goods sold to the projects, you can have more insight into your unit economics at a customer level. Imagine what you decisions you could make when you knew that when you know that. Mm. So would you would you call Stride an outsourced CFO in some capacity? Mm. Great question. And the answer is no. The swim lane that we own and occupy is day-to-day heartbeat management. 
the inflows and outflows of the business, right? The body has to beat, okay? Then there are people, CFOs, that come in with a very strategic orientation and say, based on how your heart is beating, let's look at some information and I can work with you, Ruben, to make some strategic decisions. That's the CFO value. We just want to make their time well spent for the dollars that you're paying them. And then, what, what is the what is the data that uh, that that you're that you're looking at? What, what's your starting point? Yeah. So, starting point is largely going to be the inflows and outflows of of dollars. So, we're going to manage your QuickBooks Online account, right? In detail, uh, we will also pull in like time tracking data uh, and use that as a basis of analysis for some of those direct costs. But at the core of what we do is make sure that your financial statements every month that again are largely managed in services like QuickBooks Online are timely, accurate, and efficient. That makes sense. And then, you know, a lot, lot of folks now, e-commerce, subscription-based businesses, they're using services like Stripe, like Shopify, yeah. so many of these. You know, what, what is, your, what is your, your take on that in terms of how easy it is to kind of manage metrics from platforms like that? Yeah, increasingly easy because all of those services, those cloud-based services have API connections that allow us to either integrate that data back directly into that financial ledger so we can capture the transaction data or we can extract the data very easily into a format that allows us to make the proper entries and capture it without a lot of additional labor. So we build that, that system ecosystem curated for a client, right systems for the right problem to solve, increasingly easily integrated with cloud platforms. Nice. That makes sense. And yeah. what would you say are the, the biggest mistakes right now that businesses are making financially? Uh, the, business, the biggest mistakes they're making financially. Ah, let me think about that. Hmm. Okay. Um, business mistakes that they're making financially. Um, one is, uh, I'll actually start with a strategic uh, mistake. And the strategic mistake is thinking about how their business could have a recurring revenue nature to the service or product that they sell. Nice. And, and, and actually recognizing that in that type of business, there are two sales. Well, they're selling the customer initially, and then there's maintaining the relationship mm -hmm. and maximizing lifetime value. And you can see the power of recurring revenue economics if you are effective at retention and so breaking for our clients the prevailing thought of, oh, we've always done it this way, um, uh, which is not recurring in nature, and getting them to think differently, um, that's an opportunity. I know you've couched it as a mistake. I'm going to frame it as an opportunity. Uh, that's probably the number one. And then the number two is curiosity. So mm. curiosity says, huh, I'm going to sit down every month and I'm going to ask questions to better understand the language that is being reflected back to me on my business. And the mm. language is financials, right? The language is accounting. And what often happens with entrepreneurs who aren't inclined to want to look at this data is they just, they're like, I don't want to see it. 
just it's done. Ignore it because I got to keep doing what I'm doing. Mm. And that's a missed opportunity to hone the machine that you're building. Are you trying to work on the business or are you trying to work on in the business? If you're working on the business, get curious. If you're in the business, uh, maybe you don't have to be as much. Mm, so working on the business versus working in the business. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So the question is, what what are you building? If you're if you think about this unit, this business that you're creating as a machine, then then build the machine. If you're thinking about yourself as the machine and that you have to be in the machine for the business to function, that's a very different orientation to business building, one that typically doesn't transcend you as an individual. And many entrepreneurs, we, we often get we, we often confuse, oh, the business that I built is all about me, where I'm essential versus no, no, no. I'm actually trying to figure out every day how I get myself out of the, the business, <laughs> right? So that I can work on it and achieve the dreams that I set for myself to fulfill in my life, which is probably not working in the business. Nice. So well said. I, I love how you frame that. Uh, so interesting. Uh, you know, my, my mind is going crazy right now just thinking of, of experiences, <laughs> failures, realizations, revelations that I've gone through in my life. Uh, you know, two, two quick things come to mind. Number one is this, the sweet big payment of, of that one-time non-recurring revenue client deal. Now, and the reason, what I, the reason why I'm saying that is because some of my background is, is in advertising and I used yeah. to work in the DSP space, the agency space, and it was not recurring revenue. Every single time you got an IO, an insertion order, you'd have to work for it. And they were large in nature. They could be $50,000 deals, $100,000 deals. Now, of course, there's a profit margin that you would keep, maybe 10 to 30% and the rest of that goes to Google or Facebook. But nevertheless, the numbers were still big in nature. You know, and I, re I remember for a period of my career being really enticed by those large sums of money that would come in. But then I also recall every time that the money was done, the contract was done, and then I have to go start over again. I have to go try to win them back as a client based on data, based on success. I have to go and try to get a new client and spend all the time to invest in them. I realized you know, many years ago that recurring revenue is, for me personally, it's just the only way that I could fly because it's more predictable. It's, there's a, a line that's going up and towards the right. There's something that just makes sense to me. You know, I don't like winning customers. I like winning customers and keeping customers. That's what is meaningful to me, <laughs> you know? And the yeah. problem I think in, in when you're in, good in sales or when you're good at making a website or you're good at networking or doing a podcast video like this is that you can actually get clients. You can get people to say, hey, you know what? I'll take a chance on you. The challenge is to actually get them to stick around for long amounts of time. And that goes back to your earliest point, which is unit economics, lifetime value. So I love how you set that up. Yeah. That's magnificent. Could, could, could agree with you more. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the second thing that I think that uh, you inspired me to start thinking about is our mortality. <laughs> now, starting to get a little dark on the conversation here, but someone told me once, assume in your business that you're going to get hit by a truck. Assume it. I know it sounds bad. I know it's scary. 
It's not what we should be thinking about. We should be optimistic. But I'm telling you, I am a firm believer of this, and it has truly liberated me. And I haven't, I'm not saying I've done a perfect job on this. I'm a work in progress. But to think about that and to say, does everyone know the formula to Coca-Cola? Does everyone know the process for the business? Are my passwords saved in a vault somewhere so that someone can access them in the future? You know, do people know about corporate structure? So many, so many things, so many trades or insider things that other people need to know about if in the extremely unfortunate situation that something were to happen to us. I actually found liberation and thinking like that because I started to think about security and I started to think about process, dissemination, information, all sorts of things entered my mind and then I made choices on those. Now, a lot of this is a learn learning process for me, so I'm still learning. Um, but but the point is, is that it, it truly liberated me. <laughs> so so thank you for for uh, for for framing that. Uh, you actually mentioned something. I want to change gears a little bit here. You mentioned, uh, you know, podcast marketing. And what podcast marketing has done for for us as a company, and I wanted to just kind of take a moment, if it's okay with you, to actually share everything I know about podcast marketing in maybe five to seven minutes. Um, Bring it, yeah, because this this process uh, has been, uh, I think, one of the most. It's been the most fun thing I've ever done in my career. Number one. But the second thing is that it has truly allowed me to take conversational opportunities and turn those into content opportunities, which then turn into marketing opportunities, which turn into lead generation opportunities, which turn into sales revenue generating opportunities. So this whole flow has essentially removed the veil. It's removed all of the the walls, you know, into our company and just made everything transparent. And it has done wonders for us from a revenue perspective specifically because it's branding and it's content and it's educational. So uh, before before I kind of kick that off, I wanted to first give you a chance. I know that you have a podcast. I wanted to just give you a plug for your podcast. Um, where can we find it? What's the name of it? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so I've done about 25 episodes. The podcast is called Stride to Freedom. And it is designed to help business owners get and stay in their zone of genius by getting an understanding of different service providers that can surround them to help them stay uh, executing in their highest and best use. So I'll have people on in that are marketing, uh, marketing entrepreneurs. Uh, they may be CFOs. They could be wealth managers. They could be even somebody talking about life insurance. You know, there's this ecosystem of services in the economy purpose built to help you as a business owner focus on success. And so we work to really understand and curate the best of the best of those providers and bring that learning and content to business owners. And it's been super fun and a great way uh, to build to build connection. And it's on all the major all the major Spotify, Google, Apple podcasts. And what what platform do you use to disseminate it? Oh, I am using Buzzsprout. Got it. Buzzsprout. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Amazing. So I'll kind of share my process. I'd love to learn Thank a little you. bit more about yours as well, just so that I can learn. We're, I'm a student here, first and foremost. But, uh, but here's kind of like just a couple of tips right off the bat. So the, the first thing is that 
We made a choice to go live on, on all of our podcasts. We don't record anymore. It's, it's never audio only. It's always video. Um, we use this platform, StreamYard.com, which uh, I'll put a link a little bit later in the, in the comments here. But this, this platform allows us to connect to all of our social channels simultaneously and then to do a live video. Now, the way that we book our meetings is actually, we use Dub. We use Dub like crazy for this. And uh, Russell, you actually saw, you booked to be on this using the Dub action page, which has yeah. an integration. It's got a calendar integration with Calendly and Book Like a Boss. And what we did was we put an evergreen video that explains a little bit about the podcast, gets people excited. I think there's a secondary clip that people can watch just for some social proof, um, some links so that people can do their own research on it. And then they can book a time directly to go to meet with me to go live um, for the podcast in our calendar. So that uh, integration happens. I think we use Book Like a Boss, but it also works with Acuity and Calendly and Schedule Once and HubSpot and, and all the major calendar integrations. It's so critical, in my opinion, to have a video booking page. Not just a calendar page, not just sending a calendar link, but specifically one with yeah. a video because you need to get people to actually want to convert and fill out that form. Uh, so that's sort of our, our scheduling is a video booking page. And then the next piece is that once the video is produced and, and recorded and streamed live, it's available on YouTube, Facebook, um, Twitter. We use actually Periscope, which connects to Twitter. So it's live streamed on Twitter. And then also Twitch, which is a live streaming program. Most It started out for gamers, but now it's kind of for everyone, Amazon owned. Um, and then Facebook, actually our Facebook group and our Facebook page. So I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six live streams right now simultaneously. Unfortunately, we don't have access to LinkedIn Live. That would be our seventh <laughs> uh, if, if and when we get that. Um, but once we have the long form video, a couple of things happen. Number one is that we download the audio only of the podcast. And then that goes to the service that we use, which is Anchor. That's Spotify owned. And then that then distributes our podcast to all the, all the platforms. The second th thing that we do, though, is that we take the long form video and we chop it up into micro clips. These are 30 second to two to three minute clips, um, micro content. What we do is we put it in a square format. We put a little status bar that kind of goes so people can know when the video is going to be over. We put closed caption texts on top of those videos. Again, they're all square format, super social friendly. There's an Adobe After Effects waveform that adds a little bit of a sizzle factor when there's sound. So it's kind of eye candy. It's sort of delightful to look at. Uh, and then we start to share those on all of our social channels. So once again, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, sometimes even TikTok, which we're getting started on. Who knows if that's going to stick around in the States. Um, and, uh, and then that micro content is actually where we get a lot of our viewers uh, because it's much more palatable. It's shorter in nature. It's, again, short clips that people can just consume quickly. Uh, you know, the other thing that we do is we put those clips on our YouTube channel and then we always share those with uh, with our community. We mention people. We share them with the with the guests that was on the podcast, uh, and that gets us to get into a little bit of a of a connection loop with people. That's the name of the podcast, of course. You know, and then of course what we do is we take the the long potty, the long uh, audio, and we use Dub for closed captionings that then create a blog post out of the podcast. So now if it's a one hour long conversation, we convert all that text using Dub's caption tool into a text format and then we put it on our blog. 
which is, is great for SEO. The video's there, transcription's there, people can read it, people can watch it, kind of everything. Then it gets passed off to a writer, and then a writer writes a really good kind of long format social caption um, that then exists. It's an upgrade to our blog post. Uh, so then it becomes another shareable assets. Now it's a blog link. So now we can put it as an article on LinkedIn, on Medium, you know, on our blog, as I mentioned, and, and that becomes now a, a, a reading piece, right? Uh, and then from there, uh, one of the other things that we've started to do is we create carousels from it. So you taught me a bunch of stuff on best practices in finance and our numbers. That might get turned into a carousel, a 10-slide, super pithy, very interesting uh, slideshow, essentially, that we can use on LinkedIn and Instagram. And people seem to love those because they just look cool. Not a lot of people do carousels because they're kind of hard to do. Um, yeah. But once you do, they get 10x the traction. Um, and then, you know, as we have more content, as I mentioned before, more viewers, uh, more leads, more signups, and ultimately more revenue. Um, and my favorite part, though, at the end of the day, is that I just get to learn so much <laughs> from people like yourself, Russell. So hopefully that was not too long, but that's kind of our A to Z, at least everything that comes to my mind right now. No, that was awesome. First of all, uh, you clarified something for me that we're live right now. Yeah. Right? That's, that's <laughs> okay, it's like I'm exploding. Uh, number one, uh, now I'm like nervous all of a sudden. And, and, then, uh, and then number two, um, super inspirational because when I think about the way that we're amplifying our podcast and turning into content, some of the things that, that we're doing, I'm like it. I'm at, uh, in like the, the first inning of what's possible. So thank you for opening my mind. You've given me a ton of ideas. It's great. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and Pleasure. Uh, yeah, yeah, cool. So uh, let's get let's get back to you know this this idea of of kind of finance unit economics. Um, I, I just want to present a very specific you know pain point that I have, which I'm constantly trying to address, which is truly understanding our unit economics, okay? I think in cohorts, okay? Every day we get a cohort of new signups and then a cohort of new subscriptions, right? Some people pay, some people don't pay, some people, most people stick around, some people, few people leave, they churn. You know, our churn rate right now is at about 7%. Six, we, we kind of vary between six and seven percent depending on who we cater to. Um, and I start to look at these metrics, and some of the other metrics that I look at are what is our average order value? How do I how do I increase the amount of stuff that people are buying? How do I purchase? How do I get people to purchase add-ons on the account? Um, how do we uh, how do we decrease the customer acquisition cost, the CAC? You know, we we kind of think in a blended rate. We spend some money on Google, some money on Facebook somebody on content, a lot of it's word of mouth. A lot of it is just people talking about, hey, how do we sign up to Dove? So uh, if you could, please tell me, what are some of the metrics, you know, as a SaaS company, as a software, as a service company, that I should be thinking about, you know, when I look at the dashboard, when I look at my data, when I look at my analytics, to be a better decision maker in that process? Your cohort approach is an incredibly smart approach. And when you isolate your cohort to the metrics like new M MRR, churned MRR from that cohort, um, churned, churned customers and churned revenue, right? Because those are two different, those can be two different things. 
um, as well as any upsells into that cohort, you can really start to isolate that unit of time and understand what decisions you may have made different uh, to recruit that pool of individuals. So first, that's a really smart thing to, to do. The other area, which maybe I'd call more rules of thumb, but I'm just going to say them anyway, because the sophistication of your podcast listeners may, may vary. Um, there are some rules of thumbs metrics that I really like to look at, like LTV to CAC. Uh, and I want my lifetime value to be in excess of three times my customer acquisition cost. Mm. And my customer acquisition cost, which is going to, which is going to be the total of all my sales and marketing expenses over a given period of time divided by those number of customers that I generated over that period. And again, that's a bit of a simplified version of it, but it's fine. It still works. Um, what is, as I track the lifetime value of those customers, am I, am I generating at least uh, three times as much in lifetime value? Lifetime value being like the gross margin. So not just the MRR, but you also have some costs associated with that MRR. For tech companies, that's fairly low. Um, but am I generating more than three times? So that's number one. Number two is payback period. And so I am looking to make sure that my payback period on my customer acquisition cost is less than 12 months. So I want to mm. make sure that I'm recovering my, my, my CAC within a year. And I want to make sure my lifetime value is at least three times my customer acquisition cost. Those tend to be <laughs> a little bit of the magic metrics that investors look at when they're looking at a SaaS business. Nice. Okay. So, so then, so based on that, so if a customer acquisition cost might be $100, uh, you know, the lifetime value based on that would be what? Um, would be three, $300. So, so the goal is to get the lifetime value to be at a minimum 3x the customer acquisition cost of so $300, right? Yeah. And then what, what are so? What are some of the ways to look at uh, rec uh, monthly uh, increase in monthly recurring revenue? How can we think more intelligently about that? Mm, uh, from existing customers or from new customers? Uh, both. Ah, okay. So um, increase in monthly recurring revenue. You're probably doing a lot of things right now to drive customer acquisition and managing that funnel of customer acquisition. So yes, we talk about cohorts, which are customers that convert and managing them, but having a uh, having clear analytics on what our conversion funnel looks like for different paths of customer acquisition. So yes, some of it may be digital. Yes, some of it may be word of mouth. Some of it may be speaking engagement. Some of it may be this podcast, but really starting to optimize for those channels that lead um, to your highest conversion. And if that's working for you, putting more fuel against the fire. Part of the problem is we don't know which area of marketing is working for us. So we still spend a lot on marketing, but when you actually know, you can start to invest in that area that makes sense. So that's one. I think increasing, uh, I can only own my experience, I suppose. So let me own my experience at Stride. One of the ways that we increase MRR at Stride uh, is making sure that we're staying um, inside the scope of work of what we agreed to with that client. And so um, I don't think of it so much as just gross revenue. I think about it as gross margin, right? The gross mm. margin is what matters to me. And so we spend a lot of energy on managing our metrics to say, 
are we in scope with the with the service that we're delivering and if we're not then it's a trigger to go back to that client and talk about uh, increasing scope or reducing our services so that we can still maintain what I call a win for all. A win for all is we're feeling really good about the margin we're making and so is the client. And again, I'm talking about, this is, I'll call this B2B mm. uh, recurring revenue uh, versus B2C and I, my experience and the clients we work with are largely B2B uh, oriented. Got it, so well said, thank you for that. You know, I recently pulled a report on Google Analytics and I, I'm so happy that I added conversion metrics to Google Analytics because it allows me to figure out where our traffic, what traffic, you know, specifically what pages and what are the sources that are actually driving revenue for the business. And in pulling one of these reports, you know, I was kind of delighted to learn that our our biggest newest converter is actually in our case it's the video it's the editing page it's the once a, a dub user creates a video on the dub mobile app or the chrome extension or a screen video or a webcam whatever it may be uh, and then they go to that video edit page it's it's that page that ultimately is what drives the subscription and the reason why that's the case is because there's upgrade options and some things are locked and there's value that people can say oh hey listen if i put a subscription in here if i put my credit card in i can actually do X, Y, and Z. Uh, so we we sort of are, are learning that that's one of our biggest you know conversion uh, pages. Mm. And my question for you is, how can we start to think about what our conversion opportunities are while we're making them, in terms of going back and pulling up a data report and saying, oh, it turns out that that's actually a great conversion thing. How can we think more? How can we have more of a conversion mindset as we're building stuff? Mm, 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 interesting. Yeah, I guess the, 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 the reaction that I have is, uh, is and again, I'm going to own my experience here. Okay, so rather than giving advice, let me own my experience. My experience at Stride, because we are a recurring revenue business, is to honor our number one principle and our number one principle at stride is wisdom of the group or wisdom mm. of the crowd and wisdom of the group for us means that uh, we come together as a cross-functional team to ask and tackle the problems we want to solve associated with a, a well articulated unambiguous goal and so if the goal is hey we want to we want to move our conversion rate from closing 37% of sales qualified leads to 50% of sales qualified leads. Let's have a wisdom of the group session on how to do that. And so we bring our bookkeepers into the conversation. We bring marketers into the conversation. We bring senior management into the conversation. And we have a format to solicit all the obstacles or problems that we're going to face in, in nailing it. And then from the problems, we start to build a solution set. And so that wisdom of the group principle is honored and tends to yield just really good ideas around a variety of topics. Conversion would be one example. Amazing. It's, it's, it's such a mindset thing. I, I love how you are thinking about this um, from, from a holistic perspective, from a collaborative perspective. I know personally, I want to do a better job with this uh, with, with my team. So thank you for that inspiration. Yeah. 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 Donnie, this is my son. This is my seven-year-old son. Hi. We can't hear you too, too well. But so I can you see can't you. hear this. Oh, cool. 
You want to hear? Okay, well, let's, all we have to do to have you here is just take these bad boys off. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so question for you, Russell. Where can we learn more about Stride? Where can we connect with you? Uh, love to give you a little op here. Yeah, yeah terrific. terrific. You can learn more about us at www.stride.services. Um, that's probably the best place to learn about us. And from there, you can get access to testimonials and success stories of clients that have been impacted and had a good experience with the Stride team. Uh, you can also find us on LinkedIn, and you can certainly access our podcast, Stride to Freedom. And you can email me, and I'm happy to give you my email address, or you can put it in the show notes. Uh, amazing. We'll, we'll follow up with links. Okay. Uh, Russell, thank you so much for your time. Oh, such a pleasure, Ruben. I really I'm, enjoyed I'm being, it. I'm being summoned to build a table tennis, uh, table <laughs> tennis table. No, <laughs> oh, sorry, cool. ping pong table. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks well, so thank much, you so Russell. much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Have a great day. And please, if you could, just email us anything that you want to include in the show notes, and we'll make sure to get them in there. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.